I am back again for another witchy and weird episode and I'm really excited actually because this time we have one of our patrons on because this podcast is like by witches for witches right so (laughs) I have with me Emma Mendez who is a writer witch bruja psychic medium and metamorphosis magician who centers her spiritual work around ancestral healing always with an approach uh, focusing on love, creation, and to help create a decolonized world free of oppression and injustice. She uses her creative works and magic as a form of resistance and healing while blending tarot and mediumship to create transformative experiences through her business, Lavender Luna's Metamorphosis Woods. Hi, Emma. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's so exciting. Like, I, I think that your description kind of like talks about what I think is like the unique thing of you is like you do blend all these things together so beautifully like I've I don't know like I'm sure other people listening to the podcast will like know you um and like if not they can check you out afterwards right but the way you post the metamorphosis woods really feels like that's where you are it's like a special place where you are because I think sometimes for people when they do like healing or tarot it's like you're just using my magic and that's it or like it's very grounded in like the world here but everything you post just like I feel like I'm in a different ethereal (laughs) space so yeah um I guess I just wanted to first off start by like asking like how did you get to this point like what inspired you to do all of these things and put them together oh wow that's a really big question um are you referring to like my business or just like in general yeah, yeah, in your business. Yeah. Um, well, I think you, you were t- when you were talking about the metamorphosis woods being like a place um, and how it seems to be different in that way, it very much is a place to me, both in the astral and in the physical. Um, there's a little kind of patch of woods by my house where I live. Um, I'm on seated Squamish and Sabertooth land. And that's kind of where I would go when like, you know, shit gets real when, especially in the last year with Chiron and retrograde, um, it's been kind of rough. And that's kind of where I would go to feel grounded when I wanted to, I think, have some sort of clarity or even just feel like held. Hmm. So for me, like, you know, I, it was, I guess it was a subconscious thing, but when I, you know, created, you know, Lavender Luna's Metamorphosis Woods, I think it was very much born from that place of um, seeing like the forest as not only a mother but also a father in the sense or like a parent Um, and that I think was really transformative for me in a lot of ways and it reflected uh, especially with the seasons right reflecting like the death and rebirth and the blossoming I think is very much also a mirror of the human experience. Yeah I love that so nature is like a huge part of the work that you do then yeah it really is I think it also is I think for me even in my poetry I write a lot about or use a lot of metaphors through nature because that's kind of how I understand the world um through like seasons and cycles in case you have not seen my Instagram feed which you've noticed yeah. kind of 
changes with the seasons. Um, but yeah, nature and the land is like such a huge part of um, my work and my connection to my ancestors as well. Mm. Yeah, so ancestors, let's bring in that. Like I, you focus like mostly on ancestral healing. So what is like your point of view about ancestral healing and like, how do you approach it? Yeah, I actually, I, I mean, this is, I don't think unique to me, but I think for me, ancestors is really about connecting to shadow work and connecting to the underworld. And I think for me, that also is, very much present in decolonization. I see decolonization, as I'm sure a lot of other people do, as a really potent form of shadow work that I think we all need to do. So for me, ancestral healing um, has been how I've approached decolonization work, not only in decolonizing and reclaiming my own um, kind of, you know, my own ancestry, my, you know, my own indigeneity, but as well as to kind of dismantle a lot of the, I guess, I don't want to use the word brainwashing, but I guess that's the word I can come up with, um, or a lot of like the programming, the harmful colonial programming that, you know, I've also kind of perpetrated and participated in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I see ancestral work. And I think it's a really um, powerful approach. I also, and I think a lot of people tend to focus a lot on like, you know, no, 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 not that it's a bad thing, but focusing a lot on like, you know, money wounds or things like that. And like, that's, you know, that's, that's great. That's important work. But I think ancestral healing can go so much farther and can be taken to be so much more than that, that I don't, I haven't really seen, you know, maybe I just haven't (laughs) met the right people yet, but I haven't really seen a lot of people um, taking that approach or really getting to the core of it. Yeah. Like, using ancestral work to work with your shadow and to decolonize like I think I I agree like I think a lot of people they view ancestral work as like at least how I've seen it more popular is like altar work or things like that where it's like building the connection with them but I feel like that is really hard for a lot of people in general and so then like getting to the next part of like doing the work with them and like relying on them and like healing with them I think is like a part that people, I don't know, like not that they miss it, but maybe they don't feel like they can or, you know, like there's different reasons why. So I love that you're kind of like here to offer that connection with them. Um, I'm curious, like, I know some people who end up doing ancestral work, like professionally, they usually have like some kind of moment or something where it's like the ancestors were like this is your job and like we're gonna help you or like have you had something like that yeah actually I mean aside from it kind of being foretold by the stars my Chiron is in the eighth house (laughs) so I think that really um was kind of foretold for me but yeah I think for me that moment really was um around last autumn I really had a lot of realization started working with Hecate I really started um, delving more into my work with Santa Muerte Mm -hmm. and that was really what strengthened my connection with my ancestors Um, really I think returning to those at least with Santa Muerte to those um, ancestral connections and with Hecate kind of a really um, I think a a a really like profound um, realization that you know, what I was doing before was very surface level. And I think I was 
going about it in a way that wasn't really fulfilling. You know, it felt really superficial. Like I totally empathize with people who are just trying to build a connection with their ancestors. I, I feel that very strongly and it can be really difficult. Um, but I think for me, it was, I don't know how, how personally you want me to get here. Um, Whatever you feel like sharing. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess like content warning mention of like sexual assault and other stuff like that. Um, I came to a moment um, last autumn where I realized that I was still being very much affected by, I guess, the, I guess, sexual assault that I had experienced as a kid. And I realized that I wasn't really, like, I wasn't really being honest with myself and not only in, you know, what I really needed and kind of how I was going about my life, but I was really impacting my spiritual work because I wasn't really being honest and I wasn't really connected with myself and my desires. And also, I think the grief that I wasn't really allowing myself to feel. So it was kind of in that period of like November to like December um, that I really, um, you know, I needed support. I needed something that I couldn't really find in other places, you know, aside from like mental health and stuff. And it was connect, it was through, I think, asking my ancestors, even though I didn't really have that great of a connection with them, to just show me the way, kind of like, what was I here to do? What, what was the point of everything? You know, how could I get past this? Um, and they started kind of, I guess, coming to me in dreams, and they started to guide me towards um, what's called uh, soul retrieval, the practice of soul retrieval. And, you know, in learning to do that and in journeying uh, to the underworld, I was able to really um, connect with them and kind of see also that it was a lot of um, ancestral wounds <laughs> and colonial trauma that was um, also keeping me there. And that was really deeply affecting me. And that's when I, you know, realized that there wasn't really a place to talk about that or there wasn't, I wasn't really seeing too many people talk about ancestral wounds in that way and how I think lonely it was especially with colonial trauma and you know as kind of the year went on and I was you know kind of navigating a lot of these things mostly by myself I realized that there were probably like so many other people who were going through the same thing especially you know who um, were struggling and maybe didn't know how to ask for help or the help that they needed was not only just you know going to a therapist twice a week it was also spiritual help right because I also see um kind of um not only like the, obviously the mental health aspect but the spiritual aspect of you know with soul retrieval it's this idea that the fragments of your soul are are out there somewhere either in like in possession of someone else's energy or they're lost somewhere in the underworld and the several realms that exist. So it's journeying to get those back. Um, so that for me was kind of what led me to focus mostly on ancestral healing is this idea that it wasn't really being talked about in this way and that it wasn't really being addressed, I think, with the tenderness, with the tenderness and care that I think it really needs to be addressed with. Um, but yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. I love that. So when you do like, let's dive more. I want, I would love to hear like your <clears throat> advice on like, if people want to start doing this type of work, cause I love that you brought up, like, I didn't really like have a strong connection, but I just like asked them for help. So like maybe like demystifying, like, oh, you need to do this to 
connect with your ancestors first or you have to build an altar to connect with them like what are like common things that you see like people missing and you're like no that's not true or this is how you can do it and you know any kind of knowledge you have on ancestral healing <laughs> yeah um I think you know well I'm going to talk with from like my own personal experience and then kind of go a little bit into what I've seen with clients um with my own personal experience I you know a little bit of context I don't like my family doesn't really talk a lot about our family history a lot of it obviously has been like destroyed or stolen um and so there's not really a strong connection um and I think obviously you know there's other stuff that they don't want to talk about so I didn't really know much but what I kind of did was simply like the few kind of pictures that I had of like relatives or you know family members who had passed that I felt safe with that I felt connected to you know obviously I know not everyone has that but um, you know, simply like if you don't want to set up an altar because there's reasons, even having like a little like table somewhere and you like a place that feels safe to you, whether it be like a closet or you're like your room or something like that. And maybe putting like a little glass of water and just, you know, it could be simple as that. I honestly don't have an elaborate altar. Um, it's very simple. It's literally just a glass of water and maybe some like herbs and pictures. Like it's very simple. Um, you know, you don't really need to have, if you don't have access to pictures, simply just, I think, stating that, it, like, cleansing that little space and stating the intention of, like, this is for my healed ancestors, for my exalted ancestors, the ancestors who, um, you know, work with me for my highest good or want to work with me for my highest good or better. And just, you know, even, like, intending that space and kind of maybe like decorating it with things that make you feel safe and happy or that you think they would have liked in life or that are connected to your culture or heritage. Um, it can be a, like an abundance of different ways. And yeah, I think for me, kind of how I started and I, you know, if you're, if the, the listeners um, <laughs> are able to even just like um, doing like a tarot reading, honestly, like a very simple, like, it can be like a daily like card of like, you know, what what's the message that you have for me today or what's the message you have for me this week? Um, that's how I honestly started my connection. It was just like putting a glass of water, putting like a picture of like my grandmother and my my grandfather and being like, you know, these are the two that I mostly feel connected and that I know. I don't know a lot of the other ones, but I'd like I like to connect with you. And just I did like a tarot reading every once in a while, like what? Um you know, how can I connect with you better? Like really asking those questions. And if you, you know, if someone is not really into reading tarot or is not, you know, you're there yet, maybe like um, what I also do is like sometimes write letters to them, you know, sometimes with like what I, it could be very, very simple. Like I want to connect with you. You know, this is who I am. This is kind of maybe my fears around connecting to you. And just like leaving it there at their altar or leaving it at a little table that you kind of designated for them um, or by a picture uh, is really, really good. Or burying it by a place that they would have liked mm. as well. Um, what I've seen with clients is I think a lot of people or a lot of the clients that I've, you know, worked with tend to think that they have to have it all figured out and know kind of who they are, which is completely understandable. And I think it comes from a very real place of wanting to know where they're from and wanting to have some sort of connection or think, you know, am I doing it right? Um, but what I've always told them is, you know, like that's a privilege that like a lot of people have and a lot of people also don't have. And it's okay if you don't know. Um, like I've worked with 
like clients who, you know, have like an inkling of an idea of like their heritage and their culture, but they don't, they don't know how they're going to be received. Or like, I remember like there was one client um, who wanted to reach out, but was a little hesitant because they were scared that they were going to, that they're going to be rejected by their ancestors because they weren't Christian because they had actually turned to witchcraft, which is, <laughs> I relate to that very hardcore. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing that what I told my client at that time and what I tell other clients who come to me, you know, with those fears, which are very valid is saying, you know, you don't have to work with all of them. And that's also what I've, you know, a lot of other spiritual practitioners and witches have said as well, like you don't have to work with all of them. You simply have to work with the ones that you feel safe or like even calling on just the intention, like um, ancestors who want to work with me for the highest good, who support me in my spiritual practice or who support me in my ambitions for, I don't know, creating a business, et cetera. You know, I think that those are the ones that you want to be working with, right? You don't have to work with all of them. Like I have tons of ancestors who I don't work with. Like I personally don't work with my colonizer ancestors. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's a process, but definitely, I think just go for it. That's the biggest thing I would say. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out. I sure, like I learn on the fly, to be honest. Um, And it's worked for me so far. Like I'm here right now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that we have, we think about our like ancestors as like humans so it's like I need to know everything before I approach them you know like I need to lay out everything and 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 even sometimes like the reverse of that like if you're working with the deity you have to come correct like you can't you know like that type of thing and I think with ancestors it's like even though we're not like consciously aware of what they were who they were what they look like all these things like we still have that connection like regardless and so I think like that's like the minimum of what you need and so it's like it's always there so you're just like, you're ready when you're ready. And I think, I think it's good that I like that you brought that up. Like you, you can change it as you go. You can learn with them. Like you, you're building the relationship in real time with them. And I love, I really like the idea of like writing them a letter and like leaving it there. I think I'm going to do that. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. So what is like, how do you uh, approach like working with ancestors for decolonization then? Ooh, Yeah. That's, that's my favorite topic. <laughs> um, okay, so it, it obviously depends on like, you know, who you are as a person, like your privilege. Um, for me personally, how I've worked um, or how I've used ancestral work um, to kind of, you know, go on that decolonization journey. I first, like, this, sounds, this might sound kind of boring and very academic, but I did my research on my own history. In this case, like, my parents are immigrants from Mexico. And so I did my history, my research on researching Mexican history, specifically, um, I tried to track down as close as possible the areas of where my, like my great grandparents lived and kind of the general area. So for both of them, it's like the Mexican North, like um, Chihuahua, Sonora, like that kind of area. And so I did my research on that particular area and kind of seeing, you know, how like colonialism impacted that area. And then more broadly looking at like so-called Mexico. So I think that's a really important thing to start with. Like it sounds really boring, but I think it's really essential because, you know, as much as your um, ancestors are knowledgeable, they're still human, you know, they're still, they still are going to come to you with their own biases and their own perspectives. Um, 
and they obviously, you know, did not experience all of history. So they're not going to have, you know, they have a, like a little bit from the time that they lived um, or the events that they experienced. So that's a really important part to really learn your history. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, taking your time with that, being gentle, I think, is another thing in this um, you know, using ancestral work for decolonization, being so gentle with yourself and realizing that you're going to like, you're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if I can swear. No, you can swear. It's fine. Okay. No. Um, that, you know, you're going to fuck up. You're going to make mistakes. And sometimes, you know, you may cause um, community harm and like that, obviously, you know, not ideal, but you're human. Mm-hmm. So I think learning that you are also kind of have to own your shit and do your best to be accountable is really important. Another thing is that, for example, in my experience, like, as I said, I have colonizer ancestors. I also have indigenous ancestors. And a big thing was kind of, for me, grappling with this idea that I am a product of genocide. Like, as awful as it is, like, I have to acknowledge that without the, you know, like, Spanish colonialism, I would not be here. And so that's something that's really hard to kind of think about. <laughs> and I have my daily, like, existential crisis. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, you sometimes, it, you sometimes have to kind of approach it in a very kind of cold, hard facts way. Not that you should go throughout, throughout, you know, through your journey like that entirely. But sometimes you need to have that logical mind kind of balance because it can get really overwhelming. So I think, yeah, being very aware of where you are, um, your privilege, um, the privilege of your ancestors, but I think also trying to be very sympathetic, um, you know, as best as you can without, you know, justifying the harmful actions that may have done kind of where they were at. Mm. For example, a lot of my, um, like a big thing that exists in my lineage is this wound of um, like, money and I think money was very was very much was very much something that affected not only like finances but it affected like marriage marriages in my family like my grandmother her father left um left her and her siblings when she was young why because they were like literally dirt poor like they had nothing and he couldn't take care of them and so obviously that led to other issues so I think being you know, as angry as one can be at what one's ancestors did, you also have to understand the context that they that they did those actions under, you know, obviously, <laughs> genocide is not justifiable at all. But I think when we're looking at other, um, other actions that they may have done, other harm that they may have caused, I think understanding what, how, what their logic was, and maybe a lot of the pressures. Um, mm. Another, I think, important point um, in like using, not using, but like healing um, through ancestor wounds and decolonizing is really like, I think a lot of like journaling is honestly really essential, like a lot of reflection. Um, you have, and when you're reflecting is like, you know, not just kind of like from a cold, hard, logical place. Yeah. I think that's where like the being honest and vulnerable with yourself is, you know, come, part comes in. Um, and the surrendering of ego is something that I've <laughs> learned the hard way that is so, so important. Like when you're doing this work, you, you have to come, you have to come at it from perspective of I'm just learning and I have absolutely no freaking clue what's going on. Um, and being okay with that, you know, you're not here to be right. You're not here to prove a point. You're just literally here to learn. 
And I think that's the biggest thing. Like be prepared also for your ancestors to come to you with really harsh truths. Mm. Like I remember the first time I did like a soul retrieval journey um, and I was kind of facing these, like the actions of my colonizer and my mixed indigenous ancestors. I saw a lot of really awful shit that they did. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw the harm that they caused and it was, you know, it was obviously difficult to kind of, you know, you know, watch and feel, but it was so essential for me to realize that I had absolutely no idea that I could read as, you know, I could read a billion academic articles, but I was never going to understand the gravity of what happened. Um, so again, really coming at it from that place of like, I'm just here, I'm just learning and that there's never really going to be a final destination. Mm-hmm. You're just always, you know, very similar to healing, right? It's healing at the end of the day. You're always just like, you're just going through it. There's really no end destination, even in death. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's so many good things in there. Like I I like that you're saying like, do the logical research. I kind of like just envision like putting everything out on a piece of paper, like writing out the facts and then you can journal and allow yourself to be like, okay, well, how do I feel about this? Cause I've heard like um, a few different like ways and people like on TikTok and things like who do spiritual work. And they say like, if you, if you don't accept like all of who you are, then you're not like actually, you know, like doing spiritual work. And that's really hard for people who come from like colonization or genocide or things like that, where it's like your ancestors, even, even for like white people or whose ancestors were doing all the harm, like that can be really hard to be, to accept and to be like, oh, like I, I, my family, my lineage had like something bad. And then, like you said, to be a product of colonization, like that's very, that can be really confusing. Like my partner and I talk about this because his family is also from like the Chihuahua region and he has like Spain, Spaniard, you know, and he's also like Native American indigenous. So he's like Mexican and like, he's basically like also a product of colonization. It's like, it's hard to say like, you know, like I, to, to grapple with that like it's such a weird like feeling of accepting like he really he's proud of his nose and stuff and and like his jawline and it's like some of that is like Spaniard and so it's like it's hard to be like I'm here because of that like without them I wouldn't exist but like the things that they did were completely terrible so I love that you're saying like to try and like accept that or to understand that in one way and then allow yourself to feel the feelings in like a separate space that feels like safe for you and and I mean obviously like working with you you know I feel like if if I if I had that like kind of like thing to deal with like I would be scared to do that on my own like I'd be like I don't want to see like what if I'm getting like super triggered from seeing what my ancestors did and had to go through like I would want support (laughs) so I'm glad that (laughs) you you offer this service because it is really heavy stuff like I've only had some people like come through with their ancestors and like it's really heavy to like I have just my personal ancestral stuff where it's like worthiness wounds and like things like and that's even hard to like face when when you're like my grandpa's like I regret like how I treated all my kids like that's like on a micro scale it's so wow yeah (laughs) it's a lot (laughs) it really is I love that okay so then I guess like would you say like, I don't know, like, would you say it's like separate or together? Like if you're like, okay, I want to do like ancestral work and I want to do like decolonizing work. Like, would you say like you focus on that 
like by itself for a while or do you do you think like okay it's just going to come in as it comes in um while I'm connecting with them and things like that does that make sense and like when I'm working with clients is that what you're referring to uh I don't know like I'm just trying to say I'm trying to think like if somebody's intending to do this like they're like okay I'm gonna connect for like decolonization you know and like healing from those types of things like would you recommend that they just like solely focus on that with their ancestors I feel like there needs to be a balance because I know that like I think it depends on everyone's ancestors and like their team like for example mine kind of do it in like little chunks if that makes sense like so around that time like you know end of 2020 was like really intense colonial trauma work Mm -hmm. and then I want to say you know for a few months after that it was like um wounds around like um eating disorders and like bullying and you're like you know not that those things aren't yeah heavy but (laughs) you know it's not maybe at least to me it's not as heavy as having to deal with like colonial trauma um but I definitely feel like they're intertwined in a lot of ways I think you know again it does depend on one's team but I think it's important to have that balance and realize that for example even if like you're working on for example um like body image uh wounds like that's still related to colonialism that's still related to colonial trauma even if for example you are of majority European ancestry if you're or if you're solely of you know white European ancestry like it that's there's still an impact there and I think it's just your relationship to that that changes um so I honestly feel like a lot I feel like it should really be treated as separate I think they're it's just so enmeshed and everything that I think is just kind of it comes with it even if like you're working through what is seemingly like quote-unquote lighter shit like it, it really just kind of um comes with it but what I think depends on is whether the person doing it is open to really t- looking at it from or learning from it from a decolonized perspective. Yeah. I think that's where you, you know, because you can go through like healing or you can, you know, go through your healing journey um, from, you know, avoid trying to avoid that. But at the end of the day, at least in my, my, my humble opinion, you're not getting to the real core of the issue, right? Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, capitalism, white supremacy, all these like systems like patriarchy that are the, that are kind of the core root of, of all these like wounds that a lot of us carry. So if you're not getting to that, I don't really feel like you're healing to your full potential, if that makes Mm. sense. Yeah, I really like that. Um, in any type of healing that you do like try putting on like that lens of like okay how does colonialism like factor into this you know like okay how does the patriarchy factor into this like I think it's true like a lot of us don't see we're like okay so I have money issues and it's like okay but like what about capitalism like capitalism's the one who told you like you had to work all these you know hours and all these things so I think it's true I really I think that's really like profound like you're really not getting to like the full potential of how everything could possibly be affecting you that maybe you weren't aware of that's yes I really like that (laughs) I'm like that's so cool like not that I don't do that I feel like I sort of do that any like now like trying to be like a better ally and addressing all these things you know like 
but I think it, it is something that a lot of us skip like okay how does this peace factor into my life regardless of who I am as a person um I guess like the other thing I wanted to bring up and ask you is like how do you set like boundaries how do you choose like which ancestors to work with like if maybe you know like somebody's never done this and they're listening to the podcast like and they want to, I know you talked about like exalted ancestors or healed ancestors. So I just wanted to like touch on that. Like if people have never done this before so that they're not like calling in like they're like crazy unhealed ones who are like so racist and like, <laughs> it's like, that would be so bad. No, it's really funny because when I first started doing or like attempting to do ancestor work, I had no idea about this concept of exalted or healed ancestors like I was just calling ancestors in um and not that that didn't go great I was very lucky that it didn't I don't mean I don't think I had any negative experiences but I know that for a lot of other people that is not the case so yes boundaries are really important um I think for me kind of how I did and how like I see a lot of other um I think clients and obviously you know in like kind of like the witchy sphere Mm -hmm. universe that you and I exist in (laughs) online um I think it's really important you know intention right we talk about intention a lot with everything that we do in magic and in spirituality so I think setting that intention out loud um of like I'm only calling in and like I think for me what I um do in my own practice like I call the four directions and I call the different elements but that's you know kind of rooted um in my own practice And, you know, I ask for protection, I ask for balance, for clarity, for focus. And then, you know, I will place an offering, especially this is more if I'm doing rituals or if I'm doing like ancestral channeling or about to do a soul retrieval journey or just journey into the different realms of the underworld. I'll do that. I'll set the offering. Um, If I'm able to, I'll light a candle. I'll cleanse whether it be with like um, smoke cleanse or with my pendulum, you know, whatever feels, I think, good to the practitioner. And then I will very strategically (laughs) and very clearly and explicitly call in either a specific um, ancestor if I know that, you know, things are are good with them, if that makes sense. Or I will just say, for example, if one is doing like a ritual um, or just like, you know, we want to communicate via tarot, whatever. Um, being like I'm calling in my I'm calling in the ancestors who are willing to speak with me right now for my highest good Mm. you know again like it it could be as simple as that you don't even have to do like a whole elaborate thing but just being very um very clear with that and if you know if you're doing this um if you're you know aiming to do like a longer kind of um relationship building with them because I know some people just like do a (laughs) one-off it's like calling on those ancestors consistently or even asking through if you're doing dream work or tarot you know who are the ancestors that are showing up for me right now that are work want to work with me for my highest good either in this part of my life or you know until I enter the underworld until my death um and a lot of it like you're not gonna like know right off the bat that's something that I've kind of learned the hard way um I used to get really frustrated about that but that's not something you're gonna learn off the bat some ancestors some like um are gonna come to you in you know points of crisis or when you've reached a certain milestone or chapter um but yeah I think just being very clear with intention and just like your typical kind of energy cleansing boundaries that you do in spiritual work if you're newer to spiritual work, I think it's just very simple in the sense of just um, kind of, you can, 
you know, YouTube, like sound cleansing, stuff like that. If you want something a little more simple um, and just stating that intention. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause I think like, I remember I, I did practitioner work with somebody like with ancestors for like my first time. And like, when I first called it, it was just like a lot, like they all came and they were all everywhere. And she, she was really like, obviously she, I was with the practitioner. So she was like, okay, let's like, take a step back and let's set the boundary. Cause like all your like ancestors are coming in and this is really overwhelming and stuff like that. So I love that it can be very simple, like just stating the boundary, like who you want to work with, or maybe who you're not wanting to work with and allowing that to flow in. Um, I had like another question and now it's like out of my head. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to ask you like, um, how, how does the underworld like factor into this? Cause you were talking about like working with the underworld and like retrieving like pieces of your soul. Like, I think that is something that I love to, you know, share and have the listeners (laughs) learn about, like I'm here. It's for me too, but like, (laughs) yeah, well, oh my gosh, that's, well, I mean, if any of the listeners (laughs) looked at my feed or know my work, I am very much an underworld bitch. Um, um, the underworld has been such a big part of um, my work and my practice Um, and yeah I think like um, could you maybe like elaborate a bit more maybe specifically yeah yeah. I guess like in in regards to like the ancestral healing work you do or the decolonizing work like I know a lot of people work in the underworld like if they you know work with an underworld deity um, but I, I feel like that's the only place that I've ever seen people really go into the underworld is if they work with an underworld deity so I, I thought it was really like I've never you know seen somebody who like oh I don't do it like specifically for going to connect with a deity I do it like for ancestral work or or like finding pieces of myself there I think like at least in the witch community, I haven't seen people kind of like view it in terms of like pieces of me are always in the underworld, like, and I'm, I'm working here. So I think that's something that I love to know more about. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that people do view it like that. I just kind of assumed that a lot of us did. So this is very much news to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I think um, in, you know, ancestral work for me, the underworld has been, um, I think such a powerful force and I think at the same time such a safe place and I think a lot of it also has to do with like my own cultural roots um for example like I guess you know Dia de Muertos being uh very much rooted in death and a lot of I think um kind of cultural ties to the concept of death has definitely kind of informed my view of the underworld or how I work with the underworld um but I think for me the reason why I even like kind of took that approach in my ancestral work and even like you know with clients I'll always call on I'll usually call on Hecate on Santa Muerta depending on like you know if that person feels comfortable or if I feel like she wants to work with that client um is because at the end of the day you know when we're talking to ancestors and we're talking to the dead you know what is the place that I think has the most breadth of knowledge is the underworld the underworld I think to me um with the different realms and the cultural point of view that I see it as you know has a place not only for the different deities and like the gods and you know different entities but it also holds I think keys to our subconscious in a lot of ways you know the underworld is also like the realm of shadow when you think about it it can also be the realm of joy and light it really depends on you know what realm you go into 
but I think, you know, when we think of also, when I think of like the underworld, I also think of secrets, right? Hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think of, and that's why I think um, ancestral work and connecting to the underworld and using the underworld as kind of harnessing more of a connection with your ancestors is actually really important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great that so many like witches look at it as, you know, a place to connect with deities. And that's totally it. Like I work with a lot of underworld deities. Um, but I think my ancestors really pushed me to connect with the underworld in that way, because, you know, when you think of, again, when you think of the underworld, you think of taboo, all these underworld deities are often taboo. There's, you know, there's this really kind of scorpionic kind of energy (laughs) to a lot of them. Um, and so it's really just a place where nothing is out of like, nothing is out of limits, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think in rooting your rooting one's ancestral practice in the underworld or using the underworld energy or journeying there to connect I think not only opens you to kind of being more bold in the work that you're doing but I think it also it opens up for you to be more honest emotionally about kind of where you're feeling like I have a hard time with being vulnerable emotionally vulnerable especially (laughs) um even with like people that I love in my life or that I trust like that's something that's really challenging for me um and so when I you know started to kind of journey more into the underworld through soul retrieval or just through meditation I realized that that was the one place where I really felt safe and I think it can genuinely be a safe place you know it doesn't have to be scary um that for me was a place where I could really be honest about how I was feeling about how things were how these wounds were affecting me Um, But it also gave me a really deep source of um, kind of groundedness that I think, you know, if I hadn't rooted my ancestral work in the underworld, or I feel like those who maybe don't to the same extent Mm -hmm. um, are able to feel. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like that. I like the, I feel like I have seen like people talk about the underworld as being kind of like a metaphor for like our psyche and our shadow and stuff like where the darkness and the secrets are. But I really like, I like the way that you're talking about it where it's like, because I'm here, it's like safer. It's easier for me to access these things. Like, I feel like I'm more supported in this space because, you know, like, and in this podcast, we're all about like breaking down like new age and like, you know, moving away from it. But like, I do see like a lot of people when they do healing work, it's like this fear of like, I need to be wrapped in light. I need to be loved in light and I need to be safe in this way. And I love the, like, you're like, no, you can be safe in the underworld. Like you can be safe in the darkness, in the secrets, like as long as like you feel okay and you know what you're doing, you set your boundaries and stuff. So like, I really like that point of view. Cause I don't think a lot of people like there's definitely like people I could name, you know, like off the top of my head that work with like death and things, but like overall, like I haven't seen a lot of people kind of look at it from that perspective. And I think that it's something that is really powerful of like embracing your shadow means like embracing the darkness and being comfortable in those spaces. And I love that. Like you, I mean, you work with like two deities that like <laughs> represent like death and work with death a lot. So it like makes sense that you're like, okay, I'm going to be here. <laughs> but I think that that's needed. Like if everybody just worked with like angels and stuff, then we'd all be doing the same thing. So, you know, like, I love that you bring that perspective to it. Um, I guess like, like last question would be, um, 
I'm curious, like your vision, like what, mm, this is kind of like a big question, but I just feel like, like, what's like your vision? What are you, what world are you creating? Like, what are you trying to change in this world with your business? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That's, I love that question though. I think, um, you know, something that I think I need to expand (laughs) on (laughs) because I don't think I get to ask this a lot. I think with my business, like I know I'm just, um, well, you know, there are tons of other spiritual practitioners and I know in the end, I'm like, you know, a a human in the midst of billions and billions of people. Um, But I think what the vision that are like the world I'm trying to create through my business and just through my spiritual work um, and writing is really just a world where I think we're more connected to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, like you said, like, I think a lot of people, especially with like new age spirituality are like, oh, you know, crystals, love, light, angels. I'm like, that's great. But I think, you know, true connection, true intimacy, ironically, um, with ourselves and with each other comes from embracing the embracing the darkness embracing the underworld and I think embracing um I think what oftentimes our ego won't allow us to to kind of admit so I really want that's really what I think that I'm here to do is that I'm here to kind of not only um I think explore and reveal the secrets of the underworld um but also bring show people that that can be a really beautiful process of metamorphosis you know that could bring you into the most happiest moments of your life that you can truly you know create things from death um and that's something that's been shown like been shown to me throughout the course of my life again and again especially in the last two years um and it's just been such a source of joy and happiness that I want other people to realize that there's really nothing to fear with death there's nothing really you know it's not the end you're just transforming and I think that's something that a lot of more people I think need to embrace mm-hmm. and I think being more comfortable with um with exploring what things that are taboo and that are you know maybe a little bit a little bit spicy <laughs> or that, if that makes sense yeah yeah I love that I, I keep seeing like this idea of like falling in love with transformation like you're not like I feel like in our capitalistic world it's like we're we're taught to like look for the end goal like you get this job because it has a good 401k and it has stability and then you could retire at this age like we're we're bypassing like how we feel in those years of working through that job and we're just thinking about it's going to set me up for retirement like that's you know like I know like the boomer generation is more steeped in this than we are but like that's kind of the world that we're we were grown up like listening to and hearing about you know and then of course we have all like the societal like market crashes and things but like anyways yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I think I was just gonna say like I think we're kind of like we were taught that to look at things that way and in in spiritual healing and it's like no it's not about the end goal like yeah you want to feel better you want to feel less this or more this but it's the transformation that's happening like you're you're changing yourself and it's the change not like the end goal yeah and I think it's also this is why I think a lot of people, even myself, like I struggle with thinking of alternative decolonial futures because mm-hmm. I think capitalism has really robbed us of being able to dream in that way. Um, and I really do think that through, you know, embracing underworld, the underworld through metamorphosis, through really being comfortable with that, 
um, is where is where we're gonna truly create the change that we need in our world, in our communities. I think it's coming back to that, really working through the ancestral shit um, and not no longer shoving it down, really working through it and committing to it. I think that's where the biggest change lies, not only on an individual level, but like on a community level. Yeah, it's true. It's like, how are we going to stop repeating the process? Like we can work with those people, the ancestors who went through it and to like end that pattern to like have them help us to see like a new, <laughs> a new yeah. opportunity, a new path, a new timeline. So I really love that. So um, like what work are you doing? How can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Well, um, currently, because I just started my business like a few months ago, um, I'm currently only on Instagram. So it's at lavender.luna with two A's at the end. And right now I'm kind of working to kind of reshuffle my offerings, but my signature offering, and I think the best, most powerful way to work with me is through my ancestral wounds and healing reading. Um, I love doing those. And I think they're probably the most potent piece of magic that you can get from me right now. Nice. Yeah. And you do like writing and poetry. So like, you know, just being on your Instagram and like reading your stuff is really cool. Like there's a lot to like gather from that. Um, And then like, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to read your poetry books and things. (laughs) They're, they're in the works. I can't really (laughs) say too much yet, but they're in the works. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. Um, I don't know, like, is, if, if you have any last words to say, you don't have to, I'm just like, in case yeah. you forgot something, I don't know. <laughs> I, think we, yeah, I think what I want to leave the listeners with is just a reminder that you really, you're going to gain the most transformation and the most, you know, change from your life. As soon as you stop saying, yes to everything your ego says that's all I'm say that's that's a tall order <laughs> I love that though okay well thank you everyone for listening and thank you Emma for coming on the podcast it was so lovely to have you on here I'm so excited for your journey and your growth and like you said you just started out a little bit ago but it's like you're already so potent so powerful you're already doing things other people are doing so I'm so excited to see like what comes through um and to have this you know relationship blossom um but until next time everybody goodbye if you love witchy and weird podcasts support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchy and weird slash support you can cancel at any time and 100% of the proceeds go directly to the pod. Or, if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, buy Amanda a coffee at ko-fi.com slash wishyandweird to help fuel them while they record, edit, create, and upload content for the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too. Bye!